Welcome to the Plutonomics Podcast with Lori Cammie and Barnaby Levin. The word Plutonomics means the study of wealth. It's our mission to educate, to help clients think about their goals and how they might benefit from working with an advisor to achieve them. But more importantly, it's to make sure our listeners understand both the pros and cons of any issue so they can make informed decisions and increase the odds of finding the right answer for them. You see, it's not who's right or wrong, but knowing there are no disinterested parties or unbiased opinions and that where you sit depends on where you stand. The challenge to making good decisions is to start by questioning one's assumptions and to break free of our prejudices because the truth usually lies somewhere in between. There are always two sides to every issue, both of which have merit. Last week, we reiterated how, in our opinion, globalization isn't dead at all, but instead may simply be transitioning to a hybrid model we call regionalization, where for some companies or industries, it may be more reliable, offer shorter lead times, and be more cost-effective to vertically integrate their supply chain. To localize, in other words, their manufacturing footprint in whatever region they're serving, in clusters like Tesla's doing in China, Germany, and the U.S. We then suggested how, due to this trend and the rising challenges to our role as the world's reserve currency, this may impact our investments and where we feel people might want to focus going forward. Today, we want to revisit our discussion from one of our earliest podcasts on demographics. As a reminder, in their book, The Fourth Turning, Bill Strauss and Neil Howe said, no societal force has as predictable a chronology as the human life cycle, which on average lasts 80 to 100 years and is divided into four phases from childhood through elderhood. Their point after going back centuries to look at these things is that there seems to be a cadence of recurring and alternating themes, generation after generation that not only characterizes their nature of the times, but may help us anticipate what's going to happen ahead of time. And one thing we know for sure is that with our longer lifespans, these cycles and their accompanying trends will be prolonged. What you're saying is... Demographics may help us predict the future. Certainly, when it comes to the economy, we know it's driven by supply and demand, and that demographics has its greatest impact on the economy when the greatest number of people in any generation reach their peak spending years. It's what we call the pig and the python as things become more or less important to us as we move through each phase of our lives. This peak, according to Harry Dent in the Roaring 2000s, falls between the ages of 47 and 50, when the average family is living in the largest home they'll ever own, their 2.5 children are off in college, and they're spending every nickel they earn to feed, clothe, and pay for it all. Sometimes, the cycle may be accelerated or delayed by temporary factors, as it has with housing for many of today's millennials. But the pattern's the same. That's right. By creating the slew of social media companies, for example, from Facebook, YouTube, TikTok and Instagram, the millennials have in a very real sense accelerated the way we communicate and share information, as well as our ability to spread our thoughts and ideas instantly all over the world. Developments like this will impact supply and demand 
along with all those other unanticipated and often unintended consequences that occur as a result. And these developments are the sorts of things we'll often discuss in our podcast so people can be prepared and invest accordingly. One question on our radar today is whether Gen Z will be big enough to fill the labor gap left by the boomers who are retiring as they themselves contemplate early retirement. And will the delay to millennials' household formation put even further pressure both on wage inflation and supply shortages for longer than we might like? To that, I'll add what's happening as the greatest number of boomers are now beginning to retire. Many of them may be unable to do so because they haven't saved the way they should. And combining that with the cost of things they'll need, like health care, because the wave of demand has pushed prices up faster than CPI for these, it looks like they'll need to work longer, whether part or full-time and to a large degree in what we call service industries, from retailers like Walmart and Costco to fast food like Chipotle and Starbucks. At the same time, they're facing a tug-of-war with their children who, as you just said, represent an even bigger percent of America's population and who, along with Gen Z behind them, are becoming a more important factor in politics. Faced, for example, with the younger generation's own need to save after 9-11, the Great Recession, and more recently the COVID pandemic, it will be the millennials and then the Gen Z who soon will be deciding how income, investments, and estates are taxed and possibly redistributed going forward. That, unfortunately, I think, is true. Young people today want government to play a more active role in solving their problems and, according to Pew and Gallup polls, have a more favorable view of socialism than capitalism. There's no better example of this than Starbucks. Over its first 40 years, Howard Schultz grew Starbucks from 11 stores in 1992 to more than 28,000 when he retired in 2017. And during his tenure, he not only delivered a 21,000% gain in the value of its stock to shareholders, he did so while providing his employees with some of the world's most innovative benefits around, from access to health care for full and part-time employees, equity in the form of stock options, free college tuition for those who wanted it, comprehensive mental health benefits, gender equality in pay and best-in-class paid parental leave. Yet they just brought Howard back out of retirement to help them fight a growing trend toward unionization in 26 of their stores to date, including their flagship roastery in their hometown of Seattle. Perhaps it's that young people today prefer leisure and experiences to climbing the corporate ladder. And as we said in our podcast on Gen Z, more than half of our country's youth don't plan to work at their current job for more than three years. So to begin with, there's not a lot of loyalty like there was with their grandparents who often stayed at the same job their entire lives. Also, where millennials have done a great job of saving more at a younger age and finding a better work-life balance than their parents, Gen Z values flexibility which is as important to them as higher pay or job security. But you're forgetting something else you said in our podcast on Gen Z, that at least half of them are unhappy, especially women, with 53% reporting anxiety and sadness almost all the time. Some of that, 
of course, may be due to being locked up for two years during all the forced COVID lockdowns. But part of it, I'm afraid, has to do with drugs, which isn't being discussed nearly enough in our country today. In his book, San Francisco, Michael Schellenberger, a Democrat running for governor in California this November, notes that drug overdoses are today the number one cause of accidental death in the U.S., which rose from 17,415 in 2000 to 93,330 in 2020. That's a 536% increase. And in San Francisco, he continues, where there are now more than 25,000 injection drug users, that number is 50% larger than the number of students enrolled in the city's 15 public high schools. And that's just one city. But going back to my question about unionization, we know young people today skew largely Democrat and pretty far to the left at that, and that they want the government to take care of them. Yet, they distrust big companies in general and think some of them have too much power and should be broken up. They want to tax the rich, protesting against the wealth gap between rich and poor, and yet nearly two-thirds want to become wealthy themselves. So it just seems strange how, despite all the benefits offered by a company like Starbucks, as well as the politics of the founder who ran for president as a liberal Democrat himself, unions are making such inroads there at all, and why they started there in the first place. It just seems too simple to only chalk it up to a lack of loyalty as they jump from job to job or a desire for even higher pay while they're there. Perhaps they feel that unionization is an easier or more effective way to lobby for whatever cause they find important, like what just happened to Disney with the parental rights bill in Florida. Actually, as we say in our intro, there's always two sides to every issue. It is true that a growing number of people want their employers to reflect their own values, and that Disney and Google have both seen employees literally walk out in March to encourage their CEOs to take a stand, to protect what they see as important rights and freedoms. But perhaps it's also a social thing because it offers them a sense of community and solidarity they seem to find lacking today at work. In other words, it's another reflection of all the social media outlets like Twitter and Instagram they themselves created. You know, regarding Disney losing their special tax status as one of the largest employers in Florida, it may not only cost Disney more, it may impact the municipalities that Disney is in. Who, for example, will pay for all the cleanup and maintenance that Disney has taken care of over the past 50 years on their own? And will any new revenue that the state receives from taxes as a result be enough to offset the added cost for which the state will now be responsible? We won't know what actual savings, if any, there are for at least a couple of years. So it's possible that Florida is shooting themselves in the foot. But in the meantime, we'll see a flood of money from VCs going into things like robotics, AI and automation, targeting everything from driverless cars to farm equipment in industries in which lower legal immigration and slower population growth have left us with far too many jobs unfilled, and which in turn help create some of the bottlenecks hurting everyone now. Ending on a positive note, right? Well, thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you enjoyed what you heard, and if you did, that you'll share it with friends and family so that they can enjoy it too. This is Lori Cammy and Barnaby Levin. 
for the Plutonomics Podcast, signing off. LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth are a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC, and advisory services through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk and there is no guarantee that the process or investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and any investment opportunities referenced may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced are from sources believed to be reliable and any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. Neither LK Wealth and Asset Management, LCK Wealth, or Hightower shall in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data or for statements or errors contained in or admissions from the obtained data and information referenced. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced and such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates.